please note that this episode of Bits and Bricks contains instances of misuse of the Lego trademark, which must always be used as an adjective and never a noun. As a reminder, it is never appropriate to refer to the company that designs and produces Lego brand products as Lego. Rather, the correct name for the company overall is the Lego Group. I hope that was severe enough. Was it severe enough? We get... Yeah, that was great, Ben. We got it. All right. On with the show. You know, we used to sort of have to develop in a bubble. And where yeah. we are geographically, I mean, we couldn't be more remote, right? You know, we're like in a cow <laughs> field in the middle of rural Denmark. Yep. But suddenly yep. it doesn't feel that way because we have access to everything. Yeah. And our fans have access to us in a bigger way. Imagine that you are sitting in your living room on the carpet with just a pile of bricks in front of you. And then... Uh, start building essentially and start making your game so we are actually encouraging the user to build something up from their own imagination it's awesome yeah i will urge you uh, you two to uh, get out there and start creating a lego game yeah i'll do it in my free time how about that okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> podcast about all things Lego games. I'm Ethan Vincent. And I'm Brian Crescenti. Together, we look back at the rich 25-year history of Lego games, chat with early developers as well as seasoned studios who have all tackled the creation of video games for one of the most popular and respected toy companies in the world, the Lego Crew. Welcome to another episode of Bits and Bricks. In this episode, Brian and I take a closer look at the relationship of the LEGO Group with the fan community, and particularly the history of the LEGO company empowering their fans. We will dive into some of the history surrounding early involvement of the LEGO fan community with the digital efforts of the LEGO Group, and examine their most recent announcement to partner up with Unity to allow the creation of LEGO microgames. Beyond the usual disclaimer that Brian and myself do not work for the LEGO company, but were commissioned to examine the 25-year history of LEGO games, I think it's also important to note a couple of things. Brian and I are also not associated with the adult fan of LEGO community, and we don't claim to be as knowledgeable as they are with all things related to the LEGO brick and LEGO creations. That community is simply amazing. And in that same vein, it's important to note that this episode is not about the history of the LEGO fan community and their influence on the LEGO company, but vice versa. The topic of the AFOL community and LEGO fans everywhere merits an entire episode, and we hope to tackle that topic in future episodes of Bits and Bricks. Today, Brian, we are looking at the LEGO group and its deep connection with its fans. Um, it would be easy to assume that the fan community was just inherently built into the makeup of the LEGO DNA since it started back in 1932. But as we're going to learn, of course, it wasn't like that. It wasn't that easy. And the LEGO group started to truly embrace its fans probably, I'd say, early 2000s, especially its lifelong adult ones. And more importantly, empower them to create more than just models with existing bricks. Um that's kind of an interesting development as we look at how the LEGO group dealt with these fans, right, Brian? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think probably the most obvious current example of that is this work that the LEGO group has done with its community in this thing called LEGO Ideas, which I think is absolutely amazing. So the idea there is basically fans can build their own uh, LEGO model, these sort of kits that they put together, and then upload an image of them to uh, uh, an official LEGO group website. And then people will look at those different uh, sets that they've been that have been put together and vote on them. And the hope is uh, of these Lego fans is that those Lego sets that they're putting together will actually be turned into a set that is official and sold in stores. 
And so that's sort of, I think, the best example of what's going on right now in the physical world, the world of physical Lego bricks. But you could also look at this recent partnership with Unity, which is basically Unity not too long ago announced that they were coming up with this system where you could learn how to program using Unity, but also using digital Lego bricks. And so you could look at that partnership and how it empowers fans to essentially create their own uh, Lego video games with the Unity engine as what might become the beginning of that sort of Lego ideas approach for gaming and digital play. So yeah, I think this is just the latest move by the Lego group to uh, open yet another door to fans who are, are looking to collaborate more closely with a company that they have grown to love through their toys and their childhood and now their adulthood. And, and it's also this desire, I think, for the Lego group, not just to satisfy their current customers with continual Lego sets and continual you know, building options and so forth, but to really embrace and empower the fan community to participate, to collaborate and right. to build their own creations and to really um, contribute to, to the brand they love. Right, yeah. In many ways, much of the LEGO Group's direct collaboration with fans can be traced back to this piece of free software the company released back in 2004. It was called LEGO Digital Designer, LDD as fans call it, and I think even the folks inside the LEGO Group call it, is essentially this tool that allows them to access what you could consider to be this bottomless bucket of LEGO bricks recreated in digital form. So users can basically grab whatever they need to build their creations on a computer and just, you know, go crazy, build whatever they want. Yeah. LDD is a powerful tool. And um, yeah. I think it's also important to realize and mention that this ambition of digitizing the brick began in the mid to late 90s within the Lego group. Mm -hmm. There was a division called the Strategic Product Unit Darwin, and they were working on this kind of CAD-based internal database called L3D. And within the fan community, right. adult Lego fan James Jessiman released the first version of LDRAW in early 1996. Uh, that's a freeware tool for modeling Lego creations in 3D. And three years later, in 1999, Michael Lachman uh, releases MLCAD, which is kind of this CAD-based program that allows the creation and editing of Lego models uh, kind of with DAT file format. So yeah, this mm -hmm. again, this idea with the advent of the personal computer and their growing abilities, a uh, you know, tool that would allow Lego digital creations was highly sought after. Yeah. In the beginning, we thought of a digital designer as sort of a game-like approach. This is Lego employee Ronnie Scherer from an interview back in early 2008. Today, Ronnie is senior director at Lego Games Asia Pacific, but back then Ronnie was one of the producers of the original version of Lego Digital Designer. Building in 3D on a computer is actually pretty hard, uh, and we thought of that as an interesting challenge to see, can we actually bring 3D building down in age? So the first step on it was really to, can we do a game that would sort of engage kids and teach them some of the fundamentals of, of uh, navigating in 3D and placing objects in 3D. We then later decided to approach a more tool-like angle to the design rather than making it too much game. So the philosophy was that if we adapt some of the good things about navigating and placing objects in 3D, it would be a way that kids would, you know, be used to. And um, we picked that up and, and put that into the design of the first version of uh, Digital Designer. But one of the challenges with LEGO Digital Designer as a tool for kids was that it was rather complex conceptually and needed a sort of mentoring model to help young fans take full advantage of all of its possibilities. And you and I talked to uh, Naomi Clark, right. who worked with the Lego group from 2000 to 2004, then off and on as a freelancer, but now teaches game design and development at NYU. It was really with Lego Digital Designer, we did a lot of outreach to, to the, the community that was involved in projects like MLCAD, which was uh, the, sort of the premier Lego CAD tool that was in use in the adult community, because we wanted them to be interested in and help support and help grow the uh, the community that we were hoping would result from allowing everybody to build digitally with Lego bricks. Because, you know, we wanted a tool that kids could get into and learn to use because we had seen all the kind of amazing 3D creations that were being posted on Lugnet and that were made in tools like MLCAD, where 
a bit of the operative fantasy was, well, now you have an infinite number of bricks. You can, right. you have every brick that you could, you know, you, that has ever been made. It's all within this digital library and just build whatever you want with it. To begin with, the community was sort of hesitant. They built their own digital tools, but they were far from what we needed for actually uh, allowing kids to be able to use it. Ronnie Scherer here again, talking about the LEGO Adult Fan Community's response to LEGO Digital Designer. So at first they saw Digital Designer as a nice kitty thing and a good supplement for recruiting new uh, adult fans of LEGO at some point. Uh, and then later as the product developed and they started to see what we were actually going to use it for, uh, a lot of the adults picked it up and and got involved in both building models for lego.com. Uh, they got involved in the competitions that we did, and they also got involved in actually uh, creating their own custom models and promoting them online on their own websites. Interesting. Yeah, so self-promoting your own models was one thing, but the LEGO group understood fairly quickly the importance of truly embracing uh, the creations of their adult fans. And one of the key individuals who drove that effort was Tormata Skilson, who I spoke with back in early 2008. Pulling together a lot of initiatives that happened around the late 90s and early 2000, we um, created a platform using LEGO Digital Designer where you can actually build whatever LEGO design you want from a certain palette of LEGO elements, uh, design a packaging that you think would be really cool, and then enabling the consumers to order their own very unique design through a on-demand supply chain. So we basically set up a supply chain, a manufacturing facility, a distribution setup to serve the consumer so they can make their own LEGO set and they can buy that LEGO set. That is very unique. It's one-to-one -one creation that they made and, and they want to buy. And maybe to clarify, what Tormund is talking about here is the LEGO factory theme that was active from 2005 to 2009. And in 2009, it was replaced by Design by Me. Right. But all of these customized LEGO creation efforts would have not been possible without the tool LDD, which was also later used in LEGO video games like LEGO Universe, yeah. LEGO Legends of Chima Online, LEGO Minifigures Online, and many, many more. It's amazing. Uh, LDD is such a powerful tool, and it has had such a deep impact, I think, not just on the relationship with fans, but on the company. And as you can imagine, before LDD became this big thing that was being used in so many different ways and perhaps even uh, gave birth to LEGO ideas, and perhaps even this LEGO Unity Partnership, uh, there's this long history that gets us to LEGO Digital Designer. So prior to LDD coming out, there was, in 1998, this game called LEGO Creator. Uh, LEGO Creator was this sort of video game sandbox that was designed by a British game developer called Superscape. So the LEGO group had approached the company in the 90s uh, and had asked them if they could make a game that would deliver uh, a batch of digital LEGO bricks and sort of this virtual environment in which to build. They were able to do that, and so the game that which was developed over the course of 1998 was enough of a success to spur the creation of three sequels. Superscape, this British company that made the first one, also created a sequel called Lego Creator Knight's Kingdom, and then went on to make Lego Creator Harry Potter. Then, with the next iteration, the LEGO group brought in a new developer, this company called Cube Software, and they made the game that's probably most familiar to fans of the LEGO Creator series, and that's LEGO Creator Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And that game, while the others were all published by the LEGO group, that one was actually published by Electronic Arts in 2002. Yeah, and as I understand it, Brian, too, uh, the last creator game was what actually compelled the LEGO group to focus on a tool set designed specifically for creating and sharing LEGO sets in a digital environment. Mm -hmm. And again, this idea of a digital system of play wasn't at all new, but all these external third-party digital building applications and efforts, uh, both within games and in freeware programs, were really kind of siloed endeavors and, and one-offs. Yeah. And, you know, just the sheer amount of file formats and non-compatibility issues between programs could be really frustrating. And I right. think the LEGO group then made what I think was a really important decision to bring the development of a LEGO digital building tool in-house. And in a recent call I had with Ronnie Scherer on the topic, he also pointed out that LDD was created to kind of fortify this organized system that would allow you to reuse LEGO digital creations over and over again. So basically 
to build on them in any program. And the file format they created was the file format called LXF in short, a Lego Exchange file format, which was this kind of robust and compact file format, much smaller than a lot of the CAD, like DAT files and high-end 3D programming files. Yeah. And more importantly, like the physical building system philosophy of the Lego company that allows bricks that were made in the 1950s to still clutch to bricks created in 2020, the LDD team was really trying to make that same forward and backward compatibility happen for the digital age. Mm -hmm. It's really quite remarkable. So, Brian, yeah. going back to our history lesson here, right? Uh, LDD is an idea that came about while Cube Software is developing Creator Harry Potter. And you and I both talked to Jespa Esvang, a software architect at the Lego Group, currently working on LDD. We started looking at performance issues and quality issues they had with the way they had constructed their connectivity information and the, the tool in general. So we made a prototype and then we showed it to our, our boss and he said, well, that's fantastic. Then we went to Kubesoft and said, well, would it make sense that you make the application and we in-house would make the building tool? And they said, no, we want to make everything. And our boss said, well, see ya. And <laughs> then it turned into an in-house production team uh, where we launched LDD 2.0, and then it has grown into 3 and 4, and now we're working on the fifth generation, which is LDD Pro. So that decision to invest in, in so much into digital bricks and the LEGO Digital Designer was spurred by an opportunity the LEGO Group saw for connecting with the community and to, at the time, to, to empower children to create in this sort of burgeoning information age. Mm -hmm. The vision that the LEGO Group had at the time was that children would be able to make their own models and sets. Then they could share them with friends and maybe even play online together. The company's line of video games is also doing super well at the, at the time, even before the release of that mega hit that we're both huge fans of, mm -hmm. uh, LEGO Star Wars. And so pushing its games into something more creative seemed like a natural fit for the company. Yeah, and today's version of LEGO Digital Designer still remains officially an internal product at the LEGO Group, a tool set that is used by the LEGO Group and its official partners. But the company didn't forget its fans, and last year the LEGO Group purchased Bricklink, a community fan site and marketplace that has also a digital building studio program for creating virtual kits. Yeah. And so that was a real interesting move to see, you know, the Lego group actually go and purchase that. Right. And it's now available for everyone to download and build their own creations in a digital space. Yeah, I think it's it's worth noting as much as I think it was a, a great move for the community, I think that there are folks internally at the Lego group, especially people like Jesper, who works on LDD uh, to this day, who may be would love to see LDD go back out there to the public. We definitely have an idea right now that LDD will be our in-house tool. Maybe it means the studio would be our public fan tool. It's, it's difficult to, to, to say, but I'm definitely sure that LDD will keep growing and maturing and be used professionally. And I just hope that we could also get it out to, to the fans so the fans can get some out of uh, all the effort that we put into building it. Right. Because, I mean, the, the fans is why we're here. I mean, they're, they're, they're paying our wages. Well, them <laughs> and some other people, if they're buying the products. But <laughs> but we have at least the, the, a dialogue with, with, with the fans, the general public, not as much. The LEGO Group's decade-long support of fan digital creations, I think, took another really big leap forward this year when they announced this team-up with Unity Technologies. Mm -hmm. That's the company behind the, the really popular cross-platform game engine, Unity. So Unity is essentially a platform used to create video games, uh, lots of different video games, be they fan projects or, or little indie games. Uh, to massive multi-million dollar projects. So starting last year, Unity Technologies began creating these sort of interactive tutorials that were designed to acclimate potential future game makers to how Unity operates while walking them through the steps of creating their, their own sort of mini game. We spoke with Vip Gupta, who is the technical product director at Unity, about how this sort of uh, micro mini game approach works inside Unity. Our micro games are developed so that new users can come into Unity, start creating, and share their creation in pretty quick order, less than half an hour. 
Unity's latest addition to the microgames is the Lego microgame, which is what we're going to be speaking about more in detail. But the goal is that users can come in with no coding background and be able to experience the power of like real-time 3D and game creation and share that creation with people pretty easily. That's the goal of them. The Lego minigame is essentially one approach you use if you want to learn Unity. And what it does is it, it walks you through the process from beginning to end of creating your own little Lego adventure. Uh, it takes about 30 minutes. Yeah. So I sat down with it and I built my own Unity microgame, uh, a Lego microgame. Cool. And I have to say, it, it's really, really fascinating. It's not what you might think. It's not me sort of sitting down and, and typing code in. What you're doing uh, for people who are familiar with games like Little Big Planet or Dreams or Disney Infinity or, or maybe even Lego Universe. Uh, these are all games that allow you to create games inside of them. Yeah. That's a lot like what this felt like. So when you start, you see a minifigure and you're looking over its shoulder at uh, what is essentially a sort of Lego brick landscape. Yeah. Uh, and, and the landscape is made up of all these floating islands uh, that have been created by Lego bricks. What it does is initially it shows you how you can control your minifigure just by going in and playing this partial game. Um, but then you you go in and what you do is instead of again just you know typing out code, mm -hmm. you drag and drop models of bricks onto the setting, uh, like you would use to to build something in sort of a digital environment. Yeah. So you know you're, you're sort of snapping these digital bricks together, and and then it has this really interesting twist, and that's something called uh, either an action brick or a behavior brick. Mm -hmm. So so basically the idea is these action bricks serve as sort of a verbs for the game. So, for instance, if I want to have a figure, uh, a little sort of Lego model I built, let's say it's a chicken, and and that chicken's in there, and I, I want to have it, uh, I want to have it do something. Um, what I have to do is take one of these action bricks. Let's say there's one called shoot, yeah, and I I drag it and drop it, and I literally put it onto this Lego brick made chicken. And so I snap it on there. Um, and, and now when I play the game, the model, this chicken model, automatically shoots out a little ball. Hmm, cool. So I'm not actually typing in code. I'm literally dragging and dropping this behavior and placing it like a Lego piece onto the model. And then the model does everything it's told to do with that behavior. Uh, and, and so this program, this sort of tutorial walks you through how that works and, and you could do things like, you know, in, in one case you're adding a brick that has it shoot a little thing and then you can add another one of these sort of uh, action bricks that says basically look for the minifigure, which is your character, and follow this minifigure. Yeah. So then when you have both of these action bricks on the chicken, uh, one says look for the minifigure, the other one says shoot. So now you have essentially a chicken that has been made into a little in-game enemy. That's cool. Uh, and so you can basically build all these different actions and behaviors using these bricks. But ultimately, all of this is, is in many ways a sort of a metaphor for the experience of programming. Uh, and the end result for me was I had built this little floating island, uh, actually a couple of islands, and uh, I, I had to take my minifigure and I had, I think, I don't know, 60 seconds. Um, and, and again, I can adjust that time, but I had about 60 seconds in my game where I could run my minifigure across this little island, do a couple of jumps, and then get to this other point in the minimap that I had built. Uh, and along the way, I had to collect these floating bricks. And if I had collected all of them, I think I had 10 in there, uh, I basically uh, finished the game and it, it had a little fanfare and I had beaten the game. This really reminds me of LEGO Universe. You yeah. know, the, the MMO that the LEGO group released you know, 10 years ago where you could build your own digital models on your properties and then drop these kind of like puzzle-like pieces uh, which were behaviors onto your creations and you could animate them. Yeah. And I guess in a, in a very sandbox kind of way, you could create playful interactions too or, or mini games, though right. they're more like little behavior kind of battles. Yeah, that's true. Um, one of, I think, the most important aspects of this, though, is how it allows you to connect with creations within BrickLink. And, and I know you spent some time messing around with the BrickLink studio, so I'd love to hear what that was like. Yeah, BrickLink Studio is a cool app, and it's it's really kind of like an evolution of LEGO Digital Designer. Yeah. So you download it, and you immediately have access to basically all kinds of bricks, right? And, and you can import models. There's like these I.O. files that you bring in, and one of the things you can do is as you build a creation and you start really putting brick on brick, you can test, for example, its stability. You can look at how the build is going to look with different colors and different colored bricks, and you could just kind of 
of go to town with creating things. Right. And what's so cool is when you get this model, you can export it and you can actually import the model into Unity. And so if you create a fire engine or a boat or, or anything, you know, you could go and import that into Unity and then add the behaviors, which is really cool. And of course, you know, with, with all things related to the Lego brick, there's a very active community here. Um, right. And so even the gallery at Bricklink Studio just offers all kinds of really cool creations. And so if you're not super savvy on how to create, you can just start downloading these shared creations. Um, I have a creation here, for example, like a Macintosh computer, uh, you know, like the original classic. That's and cool. yeah. uh, it was all built with these white bricks, and you can basically take it apart, look at it. You can also kind of animate instructions. Um, so you can set up, uh, you know, how many steps you want to create for, you know, just just kind of see how you were to build it. Um, so like these digital building instructions, the possibilities here are, are not only cool, but man, does it ever tie into the history we talked about. You know, this idea of a dream that always seemed to kind of come up in the early 90s of wouldn't it be great to build with Lego bricks digitally? And, you know, back then everyone was kind of scratching their heads and, you know, the right. computers weren't powerful enough to do it. And now you just download it onto your laptop and go to town. And it's actually quite mind-boggling when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it really is. You said it. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Not only that Bricklink Studio w w works so well and allows you to create these things, but that you could take those creations bring them into Unity just by importing and then literally drag them into your game, plop a brick on them, and suddenly they come to life. And like now you have the ability to make not only a Lego micro game, but your Lego micro game, which I think is some of what, you know, VIP was hoping for and the Lego team was hoping for when they did this. These games are fun to play, but they're short. And we want users to bring their creativity to it and bring their gameplay, their level design ideas, and be able to unlock that without having, you know, to go through hurdles that they might not, well, the skill sets that they might not have. So this tutorial, this micro game tutorial that the Lego group and Unity built for people who want to learn how to game develop was a result of both the Lego group and Unity's desire to work together on something. They both saw the other as this sort of perfect fit for an interesting collaboration, but they weren't quite sure back then when it all started what it was going to be. Uh, Vip Gupta talks to us a little bit about how all this sort of came about. Lego was looking to do something in the digital space in a new in a new way, and we were always looking to expand the, the reach of our micro game program and what it was accomplishing. And we always thought of a cool IP partner and um, you know creative space that could come with it. And we approached Lego initially, um, but really it happened as a the very very first meeting was a joint meeting that happened at one of our Unite conferences. In, in Europe, and it wasn't really with the intention of more than just seeing where there could be possible synergies. So yeah, they, ha they have this meeting in 2019 in Europe, and it's after that meeting that uh, Vip and his team brought up the idea of a micro game. They knew they wanted to do something with the Lego group, and Vip is aware, obviously, that they've already made a few micro games tackling different subject matters, and they thought this is a perfect fit. The Lego group loved the idea, especially because it's about construction. Yeah. It was especially appealing to Anders Holm, who is a senior technical lead at the Lego group, because of his own path into game development. And he talks to us a little bit about why that was so important in this case. My background is computer science as a, as a game programmer. And the way I started to go into uh, game development was, was actually to tinker with the games, by whether with the first uh, game being Half-Life, starting to to mod and get into that engine and then replacing graphics. Uh, and I think it, the roots of, of this one is goes all the way back to that, working with these uh, simple mechanics and building blocks. So uh, we, we actually just thought about, so instead of having this 2D canvas where you can, in a scratch-like interface, program logic for a game, how about just using the bricks and place them physically on the, on the model in a 3D space? Uh, so we actually took a lot of learnings from, from scratch and, and these kind of tools and just thought about, can we just place the bricks on the model instead of just relying on a 2D canvas? Unity is also based in, in Copenhagen and the distance from Billund to Copenhagen is very convenient. So we had a lot of good discussions, um, but, but the core of it is that there is a lot of values that are shared between Lego Group and, uh, and Unity. So Lego Group's mission statement is... Um, 
inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow, where Unity is, is the world is a better place with more creators in it. So there's a lot of synergies in our values and what we want to achieve. And then Unity is also a tool that is heavily used in the educational system and by indies and hobbyists, which is exactly the type of users we want to talk to and, and inspire. And, and Unity is a, a, a really excellent uh, tool for, for new users into game development. With both of these companies on board and they both realize what it is they want to do, they set about creating this, uh, I, I guess it's, it's a micro game. But I think it's a little more complex than that because obviously they had to come up with the approach and they wanted it to feel very Lego brick-like. Uh, that development process ended up taking about six months, according to Anders. It is, has been about 50-50. So, of course, uh, Lego side is creating the whole system and uh, making the the sort of the game and, and the, the brick system and all that. But Unity has been very much uh, involved in doing uh, Unity-specific things. So, you know, additions to the, to the editor. And then, of course, making the entire tutorial flow uh, that has been on Unity's plate. So actually guiding the user in this experience. For Unity, it seems like the goal of this project was to always kind of empower their creators and give the world more game developers, basically. Let them create, and why not use Lego bricks uh, with that, and why not create a Lego game? And so it's exciting to see the openness that the Lego group had, you know, to allow that and to also work with Unity and be able to make that happen. We're hoping that it's really empowering. Here, Vip Gupta again, Technical Director of Product Management at Unity. We hope that they find that they spend a lot of time, like myself, playing with Legos physically on their kitchen table or on the floor or wherever they may be. And that um, in this sort of new normal world, they're able to bring that level of creativity that they have in their physical world to their digital world. And we really are thinking that that is the reason we're doing this. And um, we want those users and players and creators to, to come out here, come out to the digital space and in Unity, really learn that they can do more and different stuff with Lego, but still feel like it's Lego. It's time to build your first interactive Lego micro game. All the Lego pieces you need. Snap virtual bricks together as you normally do to set up platforms, obstacles, and pitfalls. Then bring your minifigure to life. Running, jumping, somersaulting. Start creating your personal Lego micro game today. So the, the goal with this for Unity is to continue our goals of serving new users, creating and, and creators, and giving them opportunities to create but doing it with, with a brand company and with a thought partner that shows the potential of Unity, that gives Lego fans and physical builders out there an opportunity to become digital creators and see that they can do this kind of creation in, in, a, in Unity and in these kinds of digital environments. It's really interesting to hear about Unity's motivation in kind of pursuing their involvement and working with the Lego group. But on the Lego company side, uh, the launch is just the first step, I think, in the company's evolving approach to gaming software, as Anders Holm tells us. We're actually taking the user into a more uh, playground area. So imagine that you are sitting on your, in your living room on the carpet with just a pile of bricks in front of you, and then uh, start building. <laughs> essentially, and start making your game. So we are actually encouraging the user to build something up from their own imagination instead of uh, our particular game, which is the 3D platformer, then do something on your own. And uh, hopefully with the bricks we have available, then the user is able to, to, to create anything from a tower defense game to a soccer game and a 3D platformer. It's funny, that, that's sort of on some level a, a metaphor for how physical Lego bricks are used. You guys sell theme sets, so people go and will buy an Overwatch character and build that. But on the other hand, you really want to inspire people to not just build the pre-created instruction theme set and then put it up on some shelf somewhere. You also want people to build their own things. Exactly. And that is, of course, um, there are different types of builders. Uh, there are people that enjoy building the set and using that as uh, either a display piece. Uh, I'm particularly guilty of that 
buying sets to, to display it. And then people are making it uh, them to as play sets. So they start playing around with them as, you know, dollhouse type play. And then obviously the one we want to talk to with this system in the, in the digital space is the one that start doing their own creations. So having this pile of bricks coming in from various themes. So we will have a pirate theme, castle theme, space theme, all in this micro game, but all sort of piled together so the user can do whatever, essentially. Uh, the LEGO Unity microgame is a powerful tool for LEGO video game creation, but it still lacks the ability for creators to make money off of their creations, which <laughs> obviously could be a big deal. Yeah. The, the good news is that may not always be the case. Yeah, so right now we are, of course, really excited about the full launch and see if we have made a system that gives enough variety. Uh, so, so we have the actual uh, tools for users to create what they actually dream about creating. But then on the physical side, we have our LEGO Ideas platform, where we involve the wider community to help design LEGO sets, and they can become official LEGO sets. And this is the next step for us. We want to involve the same types of uh, community that you can submit your game idea you have built in a micro game. And potentially, if it's an awesome game, could it be actually published as a proper Lego title is, of course, very exciting. <laughs> yeah, so so essentially the idea then is, in theory, down the line, someone could create something using this. It could go through a, a games version of Lego Ideas, and you guys could publish it, and the person could make money. Is that sort of the end goal? Yeah, that is at least a goal we are investigating, because that is a model we, we know works in the physical space. Uh, we have not tried it in the digital space, so that is, of course, very interesting for us to, to look into. And then we're also uh, trying to figure out, do we have touch points where the games people uh, create can be uh, shared to? So, for instance, our physical stores and, and some other platforms. We need to start having creators, and then we have to see uh, where the creations are going to end up. Uh, but the right. LEGO Ideas platform is definitely one thing we are looking into. So that's a really interesting idea that Anders talks about. But I wanted to hear uh, a little bit from Tara Weick, who is a senior design manager for a product group at the LEGO company, and at one point was heavily involved in LEGO Ideas. I, I was interested to have her explain to us exactly how LEGO Ideas works. Fans have the ability to upload ideas for a Lego set. It can be their own uh, hand-built model. It can be a sketch. It can be a, a 3D model that they've built. And then other fans, members of the community, can go vote on it. And if a submission gets 10,000 votes or more, then it's brought to our attention as a company. And we collectively figure out whether we can and should uh, uh, make it. So uh, we've, we've made a handful of sets every year, uh, more and more each year. It's, it's proven to be quite a success uh, for us and for the fans. Yeah, it's really cool, Brian. You know, when you when you go online and look at the Lego Ideas site and browse the gallery yeah. with all these models created by fans, they're they're really cool. And and as I understand it too, uh, they receive at least one percent of sales, and yeah. that can maybe be a motivator for some people. But for the most part, it's it's really these fans who are just super excited to share their amazing creations. And so while the Lego micro game in Unity allows game makers to work with Lego assets, it's not the only effort by fans to create Lego games, right? right. Uh, that's happened before. Uh, teams of fans are currently working to recreate or create a number of big Lego titles. Uh, that includes a team working on the remake of the original Lego Island. Uh, you and I both talked to Floris Tonin about that. Mm -hmm. There's Dark Flame Universe, which is basically an effort to revive the massively multiplayer online game Lego Universe and Lego Bionicle-themed Quest for Matanui. And so there's this whole list of games that fans are working on uh, creating or, or even bringing back to life. Yeah, so going back to the idea of the Unity microgame, the, the Lego microgame, and the fact that it could one day become sort of a video game version of Lego Ideas, I decided to go back and speak with Floris about the Lego Island project, uh, which is called Project Island. He's the project lead on it, and I was curious what his thoughts were about uh, this effort to sort of combine the two and maybe even follow this new form of monetization. 
it turns out that Project Island is using the Unity engine. So that's great. He, he said it was a huge surprise for them, this uh, Unity uh, Lego group sort of mashup, but they were very happy to see it. And of course, he thinks it's really neat because it allows people to kind of get their hands dirty in game development without really knowing a lot about it. I was really curious to see if he thought that it was going to have any sort of direct impact on their development. Yeah. He said that this, this project, this uh, Lego group Unity project, has already had some sort of impact on on the work that they're doing. Um, it, it's given them some interesting insight into how some of the technology is handled for certain behaviors, including loading models and things like that. Yeah. He also noted that this system is going to allow them to prototype a lot faster because they basically have all the assets there. All the tools are, are right there. So they've been working on this for a long time, but this is certainly going to have a big impact on their project. And more importantly, who knows if this Lego Ideas thing comes to fruition and the Lego group allows fans to submit their projects for monetization. Uh, maybe then we could see Project Island happen and one day we'll be playing a revised version of Lego Island uh, as an official release. And, you know, uh, Ethan, that's a game both you and I uh, really yeah. love and we've talked about uh, in a previous podcast. Yeah, it's really cool to hear how this is working for fans. So obviously, it must be super exciting for these fans who are working in Unity to hear this announcement and to feel like they're actually being supported by the LEGO group. And I can imagine the other side is true too, maybe, right, Brian? This, you know, if you're developing or working on a project yeah. or a game that you're doing outside of Unity, maybe you're going to scratch your head a little bit and, and go like, what does that mean for, for us? Uh, it's kind of curious. Well, we know, for instance, that some of the games are actually mods of existing games. And then, obviously, some are made in Unity. Maybe there are some games made with Epic's Unreal Engine. So at the time yeah. of this recording, the Unity LEGO micro game was only in soft launch. So it hasn't really gotten out to everybody yet. And because of that, the people we talked to at the LEGO group really don't have a full sense yet of what the reaction is going to be. But Anders yeah. tells us he's certainly looking forward to hearing what they think about it. I very much look forward to see the our fans' uh, reaction to us putting this out there. And it has been really, really positive. I have been following the Rock Raiders community and the uh, Dark Flame Universe, the, the, the guys that are uh, reviving uh, LEGO Universe, uh, been following them and, and talk with them and seeing their reactions. And, well, the reaction is that the, a lot of the stuff they have sort of uh, reversed engineered or tried to pull out of existing titles is now just there for them to use <laughs> which which of course right. means that uh, a lot of code can be scrapped but uh, but that is a, a very big positive because now we as lego is actually trying to help them and support them by right. by by allowing them to to play with our bricks in the digital space yeah, that's always funny when I hear about, you know, the code being scrapped, you know. He he says it so nonchalant, yeah. which I think is kind of cool because what he means is kind of a gesture of, of welcome, you know. Um, maybe for a programmer who's been coding for years, it might be a little frustrating. But what he's actually saying is that the LEGO group is now officially embracing fans and the fan community and particularly adult fans and video game fans of LEGO Bricks to join them and create games. Uh, it's an open invitation and it's a cool move and an official move by I think Lego games to really embrace the fan community and the gaming fan community and Tara Weick, a senior director manager at the Lego group, talks about that, the importance of working with fans. Getting in touch and involved with our fan community has been growing over the years for sure and I think it's absolutely a positive thing because we get so much support and amazing ideas from them that, you know, makes perfect sense to kind of grow that relationship. But I think it's growing. I, I think it's something that maybe we could have done more of uh, in decades past, but it's certainly a big part of what we do now. Yeah. We used to sort of have to develop in a in a bubble. And, and, and where we are geographically, I mean, we couldn't be more remote, right? You know, we're like in a yeah. cow field in the middle of rural Denmark. Yep. But suddenly it doesn't feel that way because we have access to everything. Yeah. And our fans have access to us in a bigger way. And and that's, you know, if we were to go down the con route, that's a little, that can be a little scary sometimes because, you know, we want things yeah. to be sort of secret and surprise and a little, you know, Willy Wonka when we come out with stuff. But um, when you start to see so much more of what goes on under the hood, you sort of lose a little bit of that of that mystery. 
So, yeah, I mean, you listen to Tara and this idea of, you know, the Lego group and Unity at some point creating a digital version of Lego ideas and opening the floodgates of user creation. Um, it's going to definitely, you know, open yeah. all kinds of new challenges. Um, right. Whenever you let people kind of sandbox and do whatever they want, um, as we've talked about many times, you never know what users will create and can create. And it's definitely important to... Um, to somehow regulate that. And uh, Tara and Anders uh, talked about that and, and their efforts in that regard. As the internal lady whose main concern is design quality, uh, I, I instantly go to moderation. You know, how are we going to make sure that <laughs> yeah. these are things that we really want out in the world with the Lego name yeah. on them? Not that I don't trust our fans to make something really great, but, <laughs> you know, you give free reign and you never know what's going to get uh, created. Right. <laughs> um, but I think with anything, I mean, I look at some of the games properties out there now that involve a lot of custom creation, you know, both of building and of game, you know, design. Uh, and you see how, well, I have an eight-year-old son, so I see how he just flourishes in that. And I can only imagine it getting even more robust <laughs> the older the uh, the person involved. So I think that it's, you know... With the right people making sure that the quality and the content is appropriate, then I I think it could be something really great. So in the case of the of this micro game, uh, users can publish their titles to uh, Unity's Connect platform. It's essentially a web platform where they can share the games for others to play. Uh, that platform is moderated, uh, of course, and and users can report inappropriate content. So, yeah, it's fascinating to listen to all of the effort and work that went into creating these micro games, uh, Lego Group and Unity working together to empower fans and allow them to make their own game. Yeah, that's true. So, Brian, I, I think it's important to mention that, again, at the time of our interview with Lego employee Anders Holm, the conversation was mainly focused on the beta or the soft launch version of the Unity Lego microgame. Right. And a few weeks following our conversation, of course, the Lego group officially announced its collaboration with Unity on October 26, 2020. And so I decided to follow up with Anders and ask him about the official launch and also about some of the lessons he learned uh, between the soft launch and the official release. Mm -hmm. And also just generally the insights he gained by seeing this, you know, kind of go out into the world and, and how it was perceived. Oh, it has been amazing to, to, to follow. I'm, I'm still uh, on Twitter, YouTube, and all these different channels. <laughs> uh, it's actually hard to keep up where, 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 yeah. where stuff is going. Um, there's no doubt that in the first couple of days here, we see a lot of uh, really, really good reception of the, of the whole partnership making sense to people. So the Lego and Unity collaboration makes a lot of sense for people. And, um, but I think that the, the surprise to me was actually a lot of receptions was from tech-savvy parents, mom and dads, that is going to say, hey, this is looking really, really awesome. I know Unity, but I will try to build something with my eight-year-old during the weekend. Uh, so there was a lot of reception Ooh. from, yeah. I would say, tech-savvy parents that wanted to, to, to use this as a vehicle to spend time with their, with their kids and have them get, get into game development, which I find really, really awesome. Having made this with Lego and Unity is, is just a fantastic combination that I didn't believe five years ago would even be possible. So I think the lesson learned is we, we in the beginning, we tried to be it very much a, you need to learn the very basics of Unity and have it very a strict structure. I think we actually, by looking at the beta, we, we can be more open-ended. We doesn't. We don't have to be that scripted of a sequence, uh, guide the user, handhold the user too much. I think uh, looking at the beta, we, we can allow the user to think a little bit <laughs> himself, if you know what I mean. It doesn't have to be this handholding. Mm -hmm. But there's no doubt that we can trust the users more, I believe, than we first thought uh, using this system. I'm glad I had this follow-up conversation with Anders and, and got to hear his take on the excitement building around the LEGO Unity collaboration. And for me, I think, you know, one of the biggest maybe subtextual themes of this episode about LDD, fan creation, you know, digital LEGO microgame possibilities with Unity, 
is this idea of trust. You know, the Lego group allowing and trusting their fans to just create, build, and enjoy tools like LDD and Bricklink Studio. And now to kind of take this idea even further into game creation with Unity, um, to me, represents this whole new level of trust. And I think what was really eye-opening for me as well in this episode was my own experience with digital building. But that moment, you know, that moment where the brick in your creation comes to life in a game is, is really pure magic. And it really is what everyone before these technical and virtual possibilities kind of dreamt about. Uh, the ability to have an endless supply of bricks and just build, you know, without limitations. So to me, there's no doubt in my mind that the LEGO group is serious about wanting fans, kids, and users everywhere not only to dabble in digital building, but truly create with kind of this full digital literacy on models and games. And hearing Anders and Vip talk about the possibilities with Unity and the tools that are now available to start was, was really inspiring. I love I love the history here. I love that the Lego Group's long interest in empowering fans goes back well before they ever made video games, and uh, that it, the history talks a little bit about the fact that they did this in the physical world. And then we have this sort of jump forward where they're starting to come up with ways in the '90s for fans to not create games, but to play with digital Lego bricks, and then to see that turn into this effort that eventually somehow wildly, I think, allows fans to make their own sets and get them voted on and perhaps even have them sold to other fans is amazing to me. This this Lego ideas thing, uh, it just blows me away. But then we look at what's going on with the Lego micro game in Unity and the idea, uh, this notion that Anders floats, that perhaps one day after fans have really been playing around with these tools and creating their own games, that there could perhaps be in the future some sort of marketplace or platform in which fans could float their own video game creations. And and those video game creations perhaps could be sold or could be picked up by the Lego group or turned into some sort of official release. Uh, that's, that's just astounding. It's neat enough that they're leaning into the metaphor of the Lego brick to teach what it is to build a game. But to do that and then empower fans in a way that would allow them to not only make their own games but perhaps make those games, those Lego games, official and perhaps actually backed by the Lego group is, I think, it's simply incredible. And it speaks a lot not only to the power of unity and the creative approaches that the Lego group has, but also to the interest both companies have in empowering fans and making sure that fans aren't just heard, but can have a direct relationship with some of the things that they love and create. Bits and Bricks is made possible by LEGO Games. Our producer is Ronnie Scherer. Your hosts are Ethan Vincent and Brian Crescente. Episode producing and editing by Ethan Vincent. Writing by Brian Crescente. Original music, sound design, and mixing by Peter Primer. Additional mixing by Dan Carlisle. And additional music provided by Henrik Lindstrand from the award-winning game Lego Builder's Journey, which you can play on Apple Arcade today. We'd like to thank our participants, Tormod Askelsen, Naomi Clark, Jesper Erstrang, Vip Gupta, Anas Tancred Holm, Ronnie Scherer, and Tara Weink. We'd also like to acknowledge the entire Lego Games team, as well as the great folks at the Lego Idea House for their support. For questions or comments, write us at bitsandbricks@lego.com. And as always, stay tuned for more episodes of Bits and Bricks.